of Scripture, it's going to be really easy uh, to follow along on screens if you choose to. Um, by the setting, you can see that uh, this is sort of unlike um, most weeks. Um, in this week, we'll be uh, spending as much time, as much emphasis on our response to Jesus' words, Jesus' call to us, as we do on the words themselves. So um, I'd like to just do a quick shout out to A.J. Cattles, um, and then Josh Pierce helped him uh, with getting the door in, and we're just really grateful. Um, if you could, I'd like to take a moment to pray, and if you could make this your prayer, um, as I pray it aloud, I know God will do great things in our midst. Father, Father, we just want to quiet ourselves and our hearts. We ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to you. Lord, so that we can behold, see, experience the beauty of you. We want to see Jesus. We want to respond to him. And Lord, we ask that in the physical, in the emotional, in the spiritual realms that you would um, bind every obstacle um, that might cause us to not respond to you. The pride, the resistance, distraction, hesitancy, fear, embarrassment, stubbornness. Lord, let us hear you speaking directly to our hearts and let us please respond with all of ours. Um, we ask this in the beautiful and most powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, this is a little bit of a continuation of last week's message. If you were here with us, you know that we were, uh, the podcast will be up if you, if you want to kind of get part one before part two if you weren't with us. But uh, Jesus is writing to the church in Laodicea. And one of the things that really um, touched uh, a lot of us, um, convicted a lot of us, is uh, me included, is this, that we may have stepped on the landmine of Jesus' blessings. You say, what, what do you mean by that? Well, um, the landmine of Jesus' blessings is that we end up loving and desiring Jesus' blessings more than we love and desire Jesus himself. And in, and in that, um, those blessings, we've allowed them to do the exact opposite of what he sent them for. We sort of point our hearts toward him and to use them to bless other people and point their hearts toward him so that everybody comes home. And, and, and sometimes uh, we haven't done that, and, and it can be very subtle. We saw how it could be subtle. We saw how it can be very dangerous. In fact, the sobering thing is that at the end of this letter, the passage we're looking at today, Jesus describes himself as being outside of this church, trying to get in of being outside of these people's hearts who believe, who hang out in church. He's outside of their hearts, begging them to let him in from the outside. And so it's very, very dangerous. Um, and, and so what we do here, what we look at this morning is an invitation, is an invitation that he issues to this 
church in Laodicea that he issues to us, that he sends to us. He is inviting us to allow him in that we might have the deepest of love relationships with him, that he would bridge the relational gap completely, not partially, not a little bit, completely between us and him, that we would allow him in fully and experience him fully. And that's what we want to do. We should make no mistake, this is not um, a message for um, exclusively for people who have never um, heard the gospel. These, this is a message for those who have heard the gospel and turned to religion. This is a message for those who have heard the gospel and learned it but not experienced it. These are, this is a message for those of us who have heard the gospel, responded to it, and then um, been attracted away from it by things that can't deliver on the promise. This invitation is to you. This invitation is to me. And those lights are down. Please don't sleep. I know I can have that effect on a lot of people, but God is gonna speak this morning and you can miss me all you want. I just don't want us to miss him. So um, hang with me. We're going to look at one scripture um, primarily. It's Revelation chapter three, verse 20. And it's short. And I think we can, we can all just read it together if you would, if you'd join me in, in, in reading it together. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea. This is Jesus speaking to my heart. This is Jesus speaking to your heart. And so we are going to look at this invitation. This invitation comes in an envelope with your name on it. It's Jesus' handwriting. And I, I, I plead with you, open it, read it. It demands an RSVP. It's that important. It's not something we put on that pile of stuff that we may respond to, we may not. And it gets buried over the course of a couple of days and then everything's too late for that. And you, you throw it out. Don't let that happen with this one. Jesus is calling us. This is the last letter to the last church before we go in, in, in the book of Revelation into the throne room of God. He wants to make sure that every church, every person in every church, every person outside of every church knows him deeply because the days are coming, the days are here when that is all that matters. So we're listening, we're looking. Um, it, he is asking us in, in no uncertain terms, I want to enter in to your heart of hearts and have the deepest possible love relationship, personal relationship with you. Will you let me? Will you let me? That's the questions before every one of us. And you haven't, if you haven't made up your mind yet, um, that's okay. Let's look at what he says. The first thing he says is behold. He's going to tell us four things that we have to do. The first one is behold. And, and behold is, look, be all here. Be all here right now. 
Don't be distracted. Look, see, understand, perceive. Let this sink in. Let the beauty, the weight, the importance, the love of this sink in. Be all here. Behold. Don't let anything distract you. I'm speaking directly to your heart, so put yourself there. And there is here. What we've tried to do with this little set of sorts is to take our cues from, from the scripture and, and, and picture in a way, if you will, what your heart of hearts might look like if, if it had these features. This is to represent the inner core of who you are, your heart, your soul, your spirit. And if you can stretch your imagination, be all here. Be all here. This is inside you, in the deepest place where Jesus wants to do business. If you can stretch your imagination and put yourself here, you will behold. You will be looking. That's what he calls us to do first. The very center of our lives, this, this door would be the only entrance, the only way in, the only way out to the core of your being, this table, the center of your life, where you find your life source, where you're nourished, what gives you life, what, what gives you hope, what gives you spirit. This is the center and this, these are the images that God's word gives us. And so we wanted to provide a, a setting to, to let you focus on and enter into. This is you. This is me. This is the table set for us. Put yourself there. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. To ever have a knock for your family or a friend, where they knock in a certain way, you know who it is. That's Jesus. He's saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But the problem is, He's on this side, and we're on this side. And what he's saying is, I am one step away from communion, from my spirit connecting with your spirit. I am one step away from where you are, where you have let me be, but there is a door in between us. There's a door in between us. I am one step away, but I'm not there yet. And so he knocks. We're going to look at the door in a second. When you, maybe you weren't expecting a knock on your door. When you're not expecting a knock on the door, oh, who do you expect? Maybe it's those Mormon guys. Maybe it's Jehovah's Witness. And you look through the peephole and you see it's not a Jehovah's Witness. It's Jehovah himself. He has come. 
Not to tell you about a book. Not to tell you about rules that you're breaking. To say, I am here for you. I am here for everything that you need. I am here on a rescue mission. I'm here to make my home in you and to call you home to me. That's what the knock is about. Jesus is standing outside right now, right outside the door of your heart. He's standing there. He's waiting for you. He's hoping for you. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He is loving you. And he has been there for some of you for years. Years. Today. Today, will you tell him that his wait is over? He thinks you're worth waiting for. Don't make him wait. Don't make yourself wait for the deepest of personal love relationships with Jesus Christ. Are you expecting him? Were you expecting him to be there? Were you expecting him to come? Or have you and I, without knowing or maybe knowing, put a do not disturb sign on the outside knob? And we tend to do that when we want to sleep, which we took a look at a couple of weeks ago. We do that when we want to do things that we want behind closed doors, that we don't want him seeing. And really, does that keep him from seeing anything? We have the opportunity to open the door, to hear him. You know what he wants, he wants to come in and make his home with you. He wants to become lifelong roommates in your skin. He doesn't want to visit. He doesn't want one spiritual experience in the midst of a life that is disconnected. He wants to make his home here in our hearts. He wants to change our Facebook status to in a relationship with Jesus. And for it never to change. And for it never to change. He wants to move in permanently. And he knocks. He knocks. He wants to come in from the outside to the inside so that he can work out in us his perfect will. And that goes against what we, um, what we learn. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, he wants to come in and give us life. Let's look at it this way. He gives us, he creates in us physical life, Right? And we created us physically to need what? To need food, to need water, to need oxygen. Yeah. You go without that and what happens? You, you, you die. If you go without food and water and oxygen, you die. He creates us spiritually to have our spirit meet his spirit. 
to need connection with him. Without that, we die. And so he comes bringing life. He comes bringing hope. He comes bringing freedom. He comes bringing forgiveness. You can have spiritual life and have it fully if we do what Jesus said. He says, behold, we have to behold. He stands at the door and knocks and Jesus' knock is followed by a request. If anyone hears my voice, And opens the door. Okay, what is the next thing we have to do? We have to behold. We have to be here. We have to put ourselves there. And then we have to hear. We we have to hear. And that's why we prayed, God, open our ears. Um, Because it's not just hearing in the natural, right? It's hearing in our hearts. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do for us. and, And we have a tendency, don't we, to make it harder? Because we want a soundtrack to our lives. We want our iPod always going. We want music playing in the background. We even want to fall asleep on Sunday afternoon to the sound of the football game. You know, we want to be going every moment of every minute. And then we'll fall down in bed exhausted and we'll get up and do it again. And we got to keep busy and we got to keep noise. We got to, why? Because the stillness and the silence bothers us so often. Because we hear what's not there. We hear emptiness. We hear dissatisfaction. But if we can press through that, we'll hear something else. We'll hear God calling us, saying, Ross, come to me. I'm enough for you. Jess, come to me. I'm enough for you. All of us. Tom, Tom, there's fullness. There's food. There's life. There's hope. There's joy. Come to me. I'm enough for you. I'm not picking on you guys. I just love you and talk about people I love. Did you get what changed? First, sec- first sentence to the, to the second. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? But he doesn't say if you hear me knocking. I mean, you know what that feels like because he's doing it on some of your hearts now. What he asks us to hear is my voice, his voice, not Tom's voice, his voice. And what is he doing? What is he doing? He's doing what Isaiah 43.1 says. He's calling us by name. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. No matter what you've sold yourself out to, yourself, your will, the world, evil, bad choices, a life without direction, whatever it is, I have bought you back. I have called you by name. You are mine. You belong to me. If you are one of many who feel like you don't belong, who have experienced more than your share of rejection from spouse or friends or children or church, 
You belong. You belong. You belong to him. And he is not letting go. This is where we find our meaning. This is where we find our purpose. This is where we find our life. Him calling us by name to belong fully to him. What have you given yourself to other than Jesus Christ? Could be a career. Could be good things like family, like work, like his blessings, like recreation, like providing your mind. And anytime we try to find our identity in something other than being his, we reject him. Look, the way to be the best worker, the way to be the best father, mother, the way to be the best husband, wife, the way to be the best child, the way to be the best student, the way to be, isn't 10 easy steps and you do this and you, it's to be his. It's to be his. You go to a lot of churches and they got like four steps toward this and that and that and this. I'll tell you the step, it's that. You see Jesus Christ and you belong to him. He, he can make you what you cannot be. He can make me what I cannot be because I find my identity in him and he is calling your name by name. He knows you. Third thing you have to do is not only behold, if we could go back to Revelation 3.20, thanks. Not only behold, not only hear his voice, we have to Open the door. Open the door. You say, what's there a door doing here? Well, the Bible says that since the fall and all of us finding our, our tree of life going back, our family tree rather, going back to Adam, we were born with a door. That puts God on one side and puts us on the other. Now, since then, um, we've all in one way or another um, barred the door, made it stronger, put more locks on it. That's what the Bible calls sin. And um, he says, you need to go, put your hand on the knob and open the door. Open the door. He said, this is Jesus. He created the universe. Is he not strong enough to rip the door off its hinges? Can't he, if he, if he decided to, rip the door of the universe off its hinges and just, just flood in? Yes. But it's not for lack of wanting. Although Jesus longs to come through the door and to bridge our relational gap completely with him, Although Jesus longs for us to hear his voice and, 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 and receive him. Although Jesus wants to and went to the cross to be killed for my sins and to rise again for my new life and your new life. Even though he's done all that, he also respects our free will that includes the option of rejecting him, of keeping him on the other side of the door. 
Jesus is a perfect gentleman. He does not go where he is not invited. How many of us parents have prayed, just barge your way into my kid, into my kid's life. Barge your way into my spouse's life. Barge your way into my friend's life. Barge your way into my life. He says, you open the door and I'll take care of it. Open the door. But if somebody's coming over your house and you're not expecting them, you might fly into a panic. Not that my wife does. Now, I didn't get clearance for the story, but she did not beat me between services, so I I assume it's okay for me to tell. When people come over unexpectedly, we have a little bit of it. When we know people are coming over, she used to, she keeps a very clean, orderly house anyway. I mean, she used to ask me to help clean up, like to prepare for people coming over. She doesn't ask me to do that so much anymore because she sees the way I clean. I don't clean so much as I hide, right? I've learned that the guest room, the junk drawer, and the oven are perfect places to put stuff that you don't need right now that are cluttering, like mail or magazines, things like that. The problem comes when you forget they're there and you preheat the oven, I can't tell you how many people come to me for prayer, to talk, for scriptural guidance, who say, yeah, look, I know where we live, okay? Just, just a parenthetical here. I know that there are a lot of things competing for your Sunday. And so there are a lot of people who are on the once every two week, once every three week of being together with us, pressing into Jesus and his word as a family. I get it. I wish it weren't true, but I get it. But there are some people that if it's been like a month or a little bit longer, I know there's something going on. I know there's something going on. 80% of the people that come to me who are in a bad spot say something like this. I know that's when I needed God. That's why, that's when I most need Jesus. But I didn't feel like my life and my choices matched up with coming to church. And so they did not get fed and they did not get loved and they did not get encouraged and they continued on the road that was destroying them. Let's just get this straight. None of us has a clean house. None of our lives match up with the glory of God. Here's how he says it in scripture. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, but I'm not doing things. I'm not doing things that are wrong like I used to do them. We have to stop thinking about sin as things we do or don't do. Something outside of us. If we're going to believe the Bible, then we have to start thinking of sin as not what we do, but who we are apart from him. That changes everything. That changes everything. Do you know um, when we're staying in a hotel room? 
Cherie will, um, before we leave for the day and we're coming back, she'll clean up for the cleaning lady. She'll clean up before the clean. Yeah, another one? I get, like we're gonna do a little counseling sesh after this, okay? You and, okay. You guys laugh, but isn't that what we do? Isn't that the whole thing about I'm staying away because my life doesn't match up? He doesn't see the outward appearance. Jesus looks at the heart. Jesus came for those whose internal room can't be cleaned by our own efforts. If we could, he could have stayed home, stayed off the cross and not sent his Holy Spirit. The gospel, the gospel is that my room, my heart is so unclean that it is an unbelievable gift that he would even talk to me or not vaporize me on the spot right here where I stand. But he loves me knowing all of that stuff took that upon himself and said, Tom, I love you too much to see you pay the price of death, physical and spiritual for all eternity. So I'm taking it on myself. You did the crime. I'm doing the time. For every time you were selfish, for every time you were lustful, for every time you were greedy, for every time you were hateful, for every time you... I could go on and on. This could last a long time. I'm paying the price. And I'm defeating it. And I'm rising again to new life. I want to give you that new life. I don't deserve it. I know. That's my gift. Will you come home to that? Wow. The only thing you really end up sacrificing is your independence. Can't go it alone. But then I look at where going it alone has really got me. I love the things that destroy me. I hate the things that bless me. I treat my family like things. I love my things like family. And he says, I can set it right. It's going to have to take a heart transplant though. And we have people staying away from that God because they haven't done a good enough cleanup job. And we have churches that make people feel unwelcome because they have an addiction, because they have a particular sin that the world or the church frowns upon. We're all in the same boat, different symptoms, same disease, same cure, open the door. Don't hide stuff. Don't hide stuff. Maybe you're ashamed of what you've let through that door. Who or what? Maybe you know um, that you've been dating the world and flirting with Jesus. You know he wants in. He's calling you to break it off with the world. Um, not the people of the world, but the world's pull on your heart and your life. It's calling you to break it off with them and make it official with him. Maybe 
maybe for the first time. And I don't want to creep you guys out with this imagery because we got a lot of manly guys and that's a good thing. Uh, Really, he wants to marry you. And if you could take the sexuality out of it, he wants to marry you. Whether we're a man or a woman, you have one love of your life and it is not your spouse. The love of your life is Jesus Christ. And until we find that, until we relish that, you can't be the married couple. You can't be the person. So maybe this is the day when you take your vows for the first time. Or maybe this is the day when you renew your vows with Jesus. Before we go on, I want to just say um, we have to behold, we have to hear, we have to open the door. But I want you to see the qualifications for the person that he's speaking to. Do you see it? You don't. Why? Because they're not there. It says anyone, anyone, any one of us, it does not matter how good a sinner you are. It doesn't matter how good you are at rebelling. It doesn't matter how much you've done, how often you've done it, how long you've done it. In Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. The past that accuses you is overwhelmed by his grace. His grace is always wider. His love is always deeper. His mercy is always greater. You aren't good enough at being bad enough to overwhelm his grace. Anyone. In Jesus, it doesn't matter anymore. Anyone. We have to behold, we have to hear, we have to open the door and he will come into us and eat with us. I said we'd talk about why does he have to come in? Why does he have to work from the inside out? When those of us who grew up in church and those who are, are these self-help kind of things and Outside in, right? That's how we're going to do it. We're going to take a look at the things we do. We're going to take a look at the things we say. We're going to take a look at the things we think. And we're going to fix that. We're going to modify our behavior. Behavior modification. Be a good boy. Act like a man. Be a sweet lady. Be really. So you're going to start doing a bunch of things. And you're going to stop doing a bunch of things. Outside in. How's that working? People you've known for your whole life, how different are they? Believers you've known their whole life, how different are they? You've known me as your pastor, some of you for five years, how different am I? We should be completely different. 
Outside in doesn't work. Outside in isn't the gospel. The gospel is inside out. He comes in to our hearts, which is the wellspring of every thought, of every word, of every decision, of every affection, of every action. He changes our heart and our behavior takes care of itself. I have a good friend who goes to college who, you know, the party tail is wagging the dog. Just can't resist it. He says, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop. I said, yeah, but if you do that, you'll just exchange that for something else. What? I said, you're trying to find something in partying that Jesus wants to be and do for you. And until you let him change your heart, it doesn't matter whether you exchange him for partying or something more socially acceptable, more moral. It doesn't matter. If we get all this stuff right and don't allow him to do this, what do we end up being? Very shiny, beautiful apples that are rotten on the inside. And there are churches that you can go to that will applaud that. How shiny is your apple? Who cares? What's at the core? Because if Jesus is at the core, that apple is not just going to shine, it's going to glow. That's what he's after. He has to come in to do it. And that's why it says work out your salvation. That doesn't mean do the outside. It's coming from our hearts and becoming evidenced in our lives, our work, our words, our thoughts, our actions. I will come into him. Jesus has been through everything with you up until now, but maybe one step removed. He is offering to go through everything from here on out for all eternity, all eternity in you. No gap, no separation, no desertion, not dependent on your own faithfulness. Here's the last thing we need to do. We need to eat with him. Eat with him and he with me. I will eat. Why eat? It's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> Jesus uses eating a lot. Um, throughout scripture, dining, people dining or eating together is used to symbolize the deepest of relationships, which is why, for those of you who are uh, recovering Catholics with me, we call it communion, right? Communion. It's the meal. It's what gets us to commune. It's where we get nourished together, where we serve one another, where we connect the most deeply, where something from the outside goes inside and changes us. And in the Lord's Supper, he enters in symbolically, becomes our food, becomes our drink. We just finished, most of us, a huge Thanksgiving dinner. I'm still wearing my big pants. And yet, two, three hours later, after consuming quantities of food larger than my head, um, I was ready for a cold turkey sandwich with too much mayonnaise on Wonder Bread. 
because as good as that was, as plentiful as that was, it does not satisfy in the deepest way. The only thing that satisfies is the bread of life, is the cup of forgiveness, is the living water. Jesus not only comes and provides the meal, Jesus is the meal. Everything, everything other than Jesus is not meant to satisfy you. That's why it doesn't. If he had made ice cream a little bit better, if he made nachos a little bit better, if he had made travel a little bit better, if he had made creation a little bit better, we might more easily find our enough in it and not have that restlessness that says, I need to be filled at the core of who I am in a way where I won't hunger and I won't thirst anymore. I will eat with him and he with me right now, right now. You either for the first time or recommitting for the first time in too long. Have the opportunity to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is real and that he lives inside you. Not because somebody told you, not just because you read it in the Bible, but because you have experienced and met the risen Jesus Christ for yourself personally in your heart. So we made this setting, taking our cues from his word. And what I'm gonna ask is not a show. It's not a show. It is to do physically what I hope you're allowing him to do in you spiritually. Why is it important that we have these physical manifestations? Well, because Jesus gives them to us. He gives us familiar, tangible things to um, connect us, to give us hooks so we can understand those things which aren't tangible but are very, very real that are harder to understand. Why do we kneel? Why do some of us fold our hands when we pray? Because what we are doing physically represents what's happening in our hearts, bowing before him, lifted up to him. And so this is a chance for all of us, if God has spoken to us, to accept the invitation written, spoken, knocked, pleaded for us to get up from where we are physically and spiritually and open the door and surrender and give him an all-access pass to our heart of hearts.
to take him at his word. No matter how unworthy, no matter how inadequate, no matter how dirty our hearts are, knowing that he only comes to those who can't clean themselves and sit down and eat with him and he with us. Bread of life. Cup of forgiveness. He's made the invitation. I, for one, I'm going to take him up on it. Maybe, uh, maybe you need to do that for the first time. Maybe you need to renew your vows. Church often calls that rededication. I would like for everybody to be doing one of two things. Either standing up and taking Jesus at his word and receiving him or praying for those who need to. There's no embarrassment. There's no shame. There's just life. The invitation's gone out. Ball's in your court.